Welcome to the Inquisitive VC. Today I'm talking to Hayden Hughes. Hayden is the co-founder and CEO of Alpha Impact, a crypto copy trading platform. Previous to this, he was working at Crypto.com and Techemy and is an experienced founder. We talk about how he got into crypto, starting Alpha Impact, how to balance token and equity investors, and much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. First of all, thanks for jumping in. Um, appreciate your time. So I want to get started with talking about how and when you got into crypto and, and the story behind that. Yeah, sure. Um, boy, it was a long time ago. It feels like several lifetimes. Uh, they they often say that one year in crypto is like seven years in the real world. So I guess it's uh, dog years or something like that. Um, yeah, so I'm a lawyer by training and finished law school and didn't really want to actually practice law. It didn't seem that appealing to me. And so I was working at Venture Capital uh, down in New Zealand for a small fund. And I remember um, working on a transaction that was, uh, I guess, had you know, uh, a price tag of, of kind of in the single digit millions. And I came across these guys that had done a private sale um, and raised 15 million and then did it with crypto and ICO. This is back in 2017, mid 2017. And then they did a public sale and raised 80 million. And I just thought, you know, if I'm kind of working really hard to for months and months and months to do this little transaction and these other guys have done this kind of bigger transaction in one sixteenth of the time, maybe that's an interesting kind of area to focus. So I started um, going to events and uh, you know, in, in New Zealand, the blockchain landscape is uh, dominated by just a few companies. So it wasn't hard to run into those uh, people from those companies. And uh, one of the firms uh, called Techemy, which I know you know as well, uh, regulated investment bank, raised about half a billion dollars in crypto in 2017 and 18. Um, they kind of gave me a, a chance to join them on the, on the buy side of the business. And so I was asked to kind of build a due diligence process for all these deals we were looking at. Um, and I didn't know anything and I've had imposter syndrome and I thought that they were going to realize that I wasn't an expert in crypto and felt totally, uh, you know, outmatched. But the sheer volume of deals that we were receiving just made me learn in a very, very short time frame. And uh, before long, I was running deals and uh, they moved me across to Asia in uh, 2018. So that's that's the abridged uh, version of the how I got into crypto. Nice. And then how did you, I guess, move to the other side from, you know, be, being on the side where you're helping companies raise money and investing to going towards and starting your own crypto company? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, I've never really left crypto, right? So um, wrapped up at that investment bank and then spent some time uh, running my own kind of boutique shop, worked at a crypto exchange. And I just always had this view that I wanted to do something. But I, the problem I had was that I never, um, you know, crypto has, uh, lots of crazy people, but lots of extremely intelligent people. And I just didn't feel like I had a use case. I didn't feel like I had a business. And so I guess, um, you know, fast forward a few years, uh, late 2020, I was actually making more money trading crypto than I was at my day job. And so I, I kind of left and just thought, okay, I can trade crypto to, uh, you know, keep, keep making money, but I kind of wanted to do something entrepreneurial and I've had many, uh, this is my fourth startup. So I kind of had this vague idea that I wanted to do something and I joined the Antler program, which is this, uh, you know, large accelerator that you, you know, unlike other accelerators, you don't need an idea. You can just kind of come in as a solo founder. And, um, and I met Austin, my co-founder, and he's, uh, he's an engineer and he'd done like 
something like 1,400 hours of research on these like 20 tokens. And this is like DeFi, you know, SNX, Aave, Uni. And he had a thesis that, that seemed to be too good to be true. And what I mean by that is that he just, he had this ability to, to know what the price was going to do. And so I, <clears throat> and you know, I'm, I'm lazy. I don't have thousands of hours to do research. I'm like, I want someone else to do it for me. So I asked him, Hey, can I, can I send you some money? And can you do this for me? And he was like, well, I could do that, but the bigger opportunity might be for us to explore doing this together. So we did, um, you know, I guess during the Antler kind of boot camp accelerator program, we did, we designed the survey and uh, gave a survey of 100 people. And 94 of them said, and we basically just asked them, like, if you could copy a top trader who's making, I don't know, 2000% or 3000% a year, which, by the way, crypto is like just an okay return. It's not an amazing return. Um, would you want to do that? And 94 of them said yes. And uh, 80 of them actually said, well, hey, can we send you money right now? What's your, what's your bank account number? Can we send you some cash? Um, so that's kind of when we realized we were onto something. And then we started building uh, this, this copy trading business as a social media platform. Got it. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah. And what would you say would be, I guess, the biggest challenge that you faced setting up this type of business compared to your previous experiences? Well, I think... Um, one of the challenges has really been, um, I guess, people, right? Like finding people who, and hiring, you know, we've made a conscious decision not to go uh, remote with our development work. So what that has meant for us is that we have local developers here in Singapore, and uh, it's extremely difficult to find. Um, and it, it's, it's very easy to find offshore devs, but we've decided that, you know, we just don't want to deal with the headaches of, different iterations of code and team not bonding and issues that don't, you know, the, and I'm, forgive me for describing it poorly. I'm not, I'm not the engineer on the team, but we just made a conscious decision from the get-go. So I think um, the most difficult part has been really scaling the tech uh, capacity. So we're at, I guess we have seven or eight developers now here in Singapore. Um, it's hard to hire foreigners in Singapore, which is, um, you know, always a, if you're a new business, getting a work visa approved for a foreigner, I think it's, it's tough, um, getting easier over time, but uh, definitely COVID hasn't made that scenario easier. So I think the challenge, the real big challenge has been just scaling the tech team. Um, I think one thing that unlike every other business I've ever been a part of is that's not been challenging has been funding, uh, which is a little bit strange, but I guess, you know, we're solving a really important problem in crypto and we're really grateful to have had investors who who share that that vision to solve this problem with us yeah and that plays really well into my next question which was how was that journey um fundraising doing your um token round i think you know the the idea of of raising capital for any business is really centered around can you find uh investors who share your vision can you find investors who understand you as a founder? And, you know, at an early stage, you know, we raised earlier this year when we had, you know, our first capital raise was an equity round we did with Antler. They gave us 100K. Um, <clears throat> we had nothing. We had zero lines of code built. And then you move forward a little bit um, and you, you have less and less nothing and more and more something. Um, but you're still not there yet, right? And so it's very difficult for investors. Um, and I know Nawaz, you you know, swim around the VC space as well. It's very difficult for investors to evaluate 
uh, a very early stage opportunity. And in fact, most investors want to see some form of traction, right? Users and growth and revenue, and stickiness and customer acquisition costs and channels and unit economics. So I think um, the interesting thing about doing this in a bull market has meant that we were able to create this impact token, which to be honest, we kind of needed to do anyway because of the way our payments and within our ecosystem work. It just doesn't, you can imagine, you know, if you're copy trading me, if you're some university student, you have a hundred dollars, the fee might be like less than a dollar, right? You're not going to send, we're not going to charge your credit card 82 cents and then take our cut and then send me the top trader, you know, whatever, 50 or 60 cents. It just, the transaction costs would be very high. So we needed to do that token anyway. And we had the opportunity early on in the market cycle because we just kind of saw what was happening. Obviously, um, from having worked in this space for many years, I had some existing relationships. And it really started with uh, a conversation with uh, our lead investor. And I can't, I can't say the name of that lead investor because of uh, very strict uh, confidentiality, but it's a, I guess you could call it a international high frequency trading firm that has a, you know, an interest in crypto. And, you know, we had the chance to kind of chat with those guys and we, we kind of shared what we're doing and they really believed in us. And so um, with, and they have quite a big name brand. And so after we had that conversation, we had done some due diligence with them and then they said, okay, we'd like to actually, um, you know, if you do decide to go ahead with this token, we'd like to be your first investor and we'd like to, uh, you know, give you some cash. And so after we had them on board, it was, it was kind of easy. Before that, um, we were having conversations with a few people and there was some uh, hesitation. Um, and then as soon as we had that big name brand on board, then everyone kind of fell in line very quickly. Um, we we're actually in a position where we could, and I know it sounds a bit crazy, but we could choose who we wanted. You know, you have only so much allocation left and you're saying, okay, well, what can, what can you do relative to what that investor can do, which is uh, perhaps a sign of, of the interest in crypto at this point. Yeah, that's always a great position to be in. Um, and you mentioned you did it like an earlier equity round. So how do you think between the two having, you know, token investors and equity investors, how does the alignment between those two different investors work? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And we're actually kicking off uh, another equity capital raise. So we just had the Antler demo day and we had 46 VCs or something like that reach out to us within a 30 minute window. And so we're just kind of going through that process and answering this question uh, almost on a day-to-day -day basis. I think that, you know, one of the things that we said early on with, with Antler, who is our kind of founding investor, they, you know, firstly, they didn't give us a ton of cash, but they also believed in us and they gave us something when we really had nothing. We had a pitch deck and, you know, at that point in time in January, we had no lines of code. We had just gone through this accelerator. Um, so 100% of everything that we were doing was in the future at that point in time. And so, um, you know, we wanted to make it fair for them. And so we, we actually didn't um, think very clearly at the time of that equity investment, what the, what the kind of crossover would be. But subsequent to that, we actually uh, decided that we would include them in, in the tokens that we have. So, um, you know, and it's fair to say that our investors that join us now in the current equity round we're doing, uh, we're just raising a seed round, uh, kind of a pre-series A. Um, those investors will have some exposure to the token. Uh, there's different ways to do that, whether it's uh, some kind of a conversion. So if you buy X dollars worth of equity, we give you Y dollars worth of tokens, or um, you just hold a lot of tokens in your balance sheet and then you're uh, on, on the company's balance sheet, um, which gives 
investors who are maybe not so comfortable setting up wallets and compliance and all that stuff for to, to actually hold crypto, um, it still gives them the economic exposure without actually giving them the, um, you know, the, the risks of doing all those things, or at least risks that they see. So, um, so that's the, you know, the, the um, token to equity uh, value accrual. And I think Going the other direction, um, we're using the token in our ecosystem to, I mean, for every dollar of, of sales or fees that we generate, um, there's one to two thirds that gets uh, given to the top trader. There's 10% that goes into 5% into an insurance pool and 5% into a long-term uh, liquidity lockup. And then the rest goes to us. So the, the long-term liquidity lockup and the insurance pool um, are actually, you know, if you think about it mathematically, it creates a framework where every dollar of transactions is, is uh, having a net deflationary effect on the uh, supply of the token. So, um, you know, we're not engineering the thing just to go up for the hell of it, but the, you know, theoretical um, approach that we've taken is that more transactions, more customers equals uh, more scarcity of the token. So I think the only way that the token will do well is if we succeed in solving our, our mission, which is that we need to make crypto trading accessible for everyone, whether you've got $25 million or $25. And that's something that's not possible today. You just, it's very hard to find a trading strategy if you're someone who's new or if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of money. The wealthy are very well covered. Um, but so we really saw an opportunity to build this as a social media play, which I'll get into um, maybe a bit later. But I guess that, you know, the, the value upside uh, for the token investors is that they have the ability to uh, hold those tokens until such a point that, that they mature. And of course, they're theirs, right? They can sell them if they want. And uh, I'm sure some of the investors have been selling. But, um, you know, that's, that's the position that we take, that, that those investors have that economic upside. Uh, and the equity investors have uh, some exposure, not a lot, but a little bit to the token, plus the equity itself. Yeah, it's an interesting model. I'm interested to hear what piece of advice you would give someone who's looking to start a crypto company now. Well, I think um, you have to start by having a solution that you're going to bring to an important problem. And I think, um, unfortunately, it, it has been, uh, and we saw this in the last bull cycle as well in 2017, it has been easy to raise uh, funding. And that's created an environment where we have um, people who are raising for the wrong reasons. And I have people messaging me every day saying, hey, you guys did a token, teach me how to do a token. And we like, you know, I guess that the differences that I would observe between the 2017 market and this market is in 2017, anything could get funded. You could be doing a weather prediction algorithm. You could be doing Bibles on the blockchain. You could be doing a crypto exchange. You could be doing anything, right? Uh, blockchain smartphone. Um, a blockchain Android phone that I don't think has ever launched any phones, but won't mention the name of the company. Um, but uh, so you could get funded for anything and the, the raise sizes were much bigger. It was like 50 million, 30 million, 20 million, 10 million. Um, the, the raises in the 2021 market have been much smaller and they've been really focused around um, kind of three use cases. And so if you're not in one of these spaces, you can't really get funding. Um, number one has been crypto trading, right? Is there a more efficient way to trade is, can you somehow improve the crypto trading landscape? Uh, number two has been DeFi. So uh, for, for those of your listeners who aren't really uh, up to speed, 
DeFi refers to decentralized finance. And so what that means is we have this thing called a smart contract that can execute autonomously. And so you can design a contract, for example, to say, uh, Nawaz, if you deposit uh, Bitcoin in my smart contract, uh, I will allow you to borrow uh, another currency. And if the value of your Bitcoin decreases, uh, I will actually start selling. I will ask you to pay back the other currency that I've loaned you, or I will start selling your Bitcoin to cover uh, the cost. And so the interesting thing is that this, uh, and, and it's never, you know, in terms of the, what we call the loan to value ratio, it's always very conservative. So if you're giving me a million dollars of Bitcoin, I'm only giving you 200K or 400K worth of whatever it is. And so what we saw with uh, Bill Huang and Archegos Capital is that uh, the banking system actually does this very inefficiently. They, they say, okay, Nawaz, you seem like a good guy. We know you well, we've known you for a long time. Here's some money, you don't have to give us any collateral and, you know, please pay us back. And uh, what it turned out that, that Mr. Huang was doing um, was he was borrowing from all these different lenders to essentially go long on a very small basket of stocks. And so the, the concentration risk was very high. Um, and this would just never happen with a smart contract, right? You would, if, if the value of your, A, it has to be collateralized and B, the collateral always uh, covers the outstanding loan. And, and if the collateral starts to decrease in value, that collateral gets sold. So the issue of a margin call, which is what Bill Huang uh, failed to make and Goldman and a few other banks famously pulled the rug on all the other banks. Um, you know, the lenders got together and they said, how are we gonna fix this situation? And uh, Goldman just sold everything. So there was some collateral there um, and Goldman sold everything and covered their, own, covered their own base, but all the other banks were left uh, holding nothing. So that scenario would never happen in DeFi. And um, sorry, long tangent, but uh, just coming back to the, the question, which was, uh, you know, what can, what advice would I have? I think. The, the three use cases, A, uh, crypto trading, B, DeFi, uh, and C, NFTs. So those have been the only three that we've seen getting funded. Um, so if investors have a business in one of those three industries, then um, you know, they'll be able to raise funding. But you can't, you can't be solving your existing business problem. You have to be solving one of those three business problems. So I think it's very important to have the credibility to solve one of those problems uh, if you're wanting to raise in crypto today. Yeah, great point. Um, and would you be able to talk a little bit about Alpha Impact and what is your vision there? Yeah, sure. Great question. So we, um, you know, Austin and I started this business and we, we started with a very simple problem that I think most people have when they get into crypto, which is that um, it's very hard to find a source of information that's trustworthy, right? So when we're learning about crypto, we talk to our friends, we hopefully don't talk to our parents because they don't understand, but, uh, or in most cases they don't, but we talk to our friends, uh, we go online, we look on Reddit, uh, we look on YouTube, we look on TradingView, and there's all these sources of information, but there's no transparency. And so, you know, there are people right now, and I'm not going to say uh, their names, but there's people right now on YouTube that are these influencers talking about cryptocurrencies that don't actually hold any of crypto. So if you were to take their statements at face value, you would assume that, you know, if they're talking about Ethereum, they hold Ethereum. But they might have just sold all their Ethereum last night and you'd have no way to know if they're actually credible as a source of information. So 
we thought about this from the perspective of transparency. And I think that one of the big issues that we found um, was that A, there's just no source of information and B, the information that we do find is, is often conflicted and everyone has a kind of conflict of interest. So the model we kind of settled on was as a uh, social media network. And so our platform uh, looks and feels a lot like Twitter. It's a place where uh, people who are new to crypto or want to better learn crypto, or even people who are in crypto uh, can come and find someone to follow, a top trader. Um, and there's two things they can do. One, they can get information from that person, see what they're thinking, and uh, B, they can actually copy that person's portfolio. So the way that it works is that we, we assume that another one of the issues on top of this like knowledge barrier is trust. And so the approach we've taken is to build this as a technology platform. So we're like a plugin to uh, you know, individual exchange accounts. So if you came along and became our customer, you would be prompted to join the platform and share what's called an API key, which would give us the ability to execute trades from your account in your exchange. But you always keep the funds in your account. And the other part is you actually uh, never have to send money, like investment capital to us. So we're trying to solve that trust problem. We're trying to solve the information problem. And then the third one we're trying to solve is the access problem. And I think, you know, we have um, the ability because, because the trader shares their account activity with us as well in real time via this connection that can't be turned off unless they, you know, really pull the plug. Um, we can make a leaderboard that updates in real time. And so there is a leaderboard of top traders based not only on the traditional metric, which is just like the top returning trader, but also based on the interests of individual um, people. So for example, you could go on and you could find the top NFT trader and you could find the top um, trader who's trading Bitcoin. You could find the top proof of stake trader. So what we've realized uh, is that not everyone's the same. And so uh, what I've described, I think, goes a long way. But another area that we thought about innovating was really around how can we um, how can we cater for people who maybe don't want to take so much risk, right? I talked about uh, Austin and myself and this like three thousand percent, two to three thousand percent return. Um, that that return is generated by taking an incredible amount of risk. And in the worst months of that, uh, let's call it eighteen month run. Um, the portfolio value, I think in my case, has gone down close to 50%, right? So you, a lot of people aren't comfortable taking that risk and they want something that's safe, not volatile. And so what we've actually done is we've built in some financial metrics that there's a leaderboard that people can find. Maybe you want a very low risk, consistent trader who's maybe only returning 1%, but they're returning 1% every month. So our, the leaderboard is, you know, there's a news feed where you can see all these traders, what they're doing. The leaderboard is a way to actually uh, have, uh, find traders and get access to all kinds of different people who maybe are different to, uh, you know, my, the traders I would want to follow, but maybe they're what other people would want to follow. So that's kind of the principle we started with. And uh, we're just kind of finishing our beta now and gearing up for launch. So it's very exciting. Yeah, it does sound exciting. I like the fact that you're playing, taking like the social media play. But yeah, thanks so much for joining me, Hayden, once again. Um, I, I had a great time talking about your journey, building Alpha Impact and, and the fundraise. So thanks so much for jumping on. Thanks so much, Nawaz. And uh, come join us. It's at alphaimpact.fi. And you can check out our uh, beta. We'd love to get you on the platform. <laughs>